Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm the editor, Matt Hudson. Welcome back to this great episode we have for you today on a leadership topic. And that topic is how to say no. Sounds pretty simple, right? Well, I'd like you to think about times when you've said yes to things uh, just to avoid that uncomfortable situation that might come from saying no. Think about what might be gained by giving a respectful no in some of those situations with employees, coworkers, etc. That's at the heart of the conversation that you'll hear between my colleague and editor Chris Jones and Michael Tagayas, who is the author of a book called No Will Set You Free. Their conversation centers on saying no as a business leader, which means talking about um, situations that might arise with employees, customers, and peers. This is all about appropriate no's, of course. It doesn't mean telling that customer no when they ask for that basic synthetic oil change, Uh, but it might help you when a customer comes in with that Toyota that requires OW16 and they request a basic synthetic blend oil change. You'll need the skills to say no politely and productively and explain why they need to use a synthetic oil. So whether it's in your business or personal life, Take a listen to this episode about the power behind saying no. Enjoy the episode. So your latest book, No Will Set You Free, is about all the ways we can regain our power by learning to say no. Uh, tell us how the idea for the book came about. As a uh, author and a speaker, I've been running my business for many years and I used to be a yes man. And so when I wrote my first book, I was still holding down a full-time corporate job. And I realized I need to carve out time during my free time to write this book. And, you know, this is many years ago, that's 38 books ago. But um, so I slowly began to set boundaries and say no to some social obligations or what I felt were obligations to leave time for me to write this first book that was really meaningful for me. And then later, when I left the corporate world, and now I'm running my own business, once once the business becomes successful, you're still, unfortunately, or I was still in the mode of saying yes to everything. Because when you started the business, that's how you get going. And I quickly had to learn, if I don't start saying no, I'm going to have no time for myself, no time for my kids no time for my spouse, no time for the special projects that I have. And I I learned I got really good at it. I was um, thinking, you know, I've I've finally figured this out in setting boundaries. And then COVID happened and I learned I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm I'm operating now at a, a little less pace and I'm doing a better job on fewer things. And that's when it hit me. I'm going to share what I'm learning with with readers because I know they're struggling with the same thing. So it was those those three steps over time. And now I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on it. But every now and then I I screw up and uh, overextend myself by being too polite or feeling pressure or even guilt sometimes. Yeah, no is such a hard thing to say. And what I thought was immediately interesting was the Cornell University study that you cited in the introduction to the book about obligation and saying no. Yeah, tell our listeners about that study. Well, she did a um, 
a, a study, she being uh, Professor Vanessa Bonds, where she had um, participants um, say, okay, we're gonna uh, ask you to ask total strangers uh, to do something. And the participants would estimate how many of these strangers would do this thing that seemed a little uncomfortable to be asking for. And uh, the strangers complied at a rate far higher than the participants would have estimated. But it, it was more out of their, it wasn't that so much that they did wanted to do it. It was more that they felt uncomfortable saying no, because they later they interviewed these people who said yes. And she would ask them, why did you say yes? And it wasn't, oh, I love to do this project that they asked me. It was the opposite. It was, I felt so guilty saying no, so I just had to say yes. Um, and, and she actually, uh, Professor Bonds was a, a big help in the book. And um, and later when I finished it, I hadn't seen her in two years and spoken to her in two years and, and sent to the book. And I was worried, okay, she may say no to doing a uh, blurb or endorsement for the back cover, but she was very gracious. And she said, perfect, you've taken a lot of my studies and put it in very simple English uh, and you know, a less technical than we do here in the psychology department. But it's it's the same message of helping people to take their time back. Yeah, and I, I love that about your book. Like the chapters are very very short; they're to the point and they're very actionable. Um, so yeah. why why do you find or why do we find it so difficult to say no to people? I I think in my case it, it might have been I was raised that way. Uh, my mother was the politest person on the planet. She would. She wouldn't think of saying no to anything. So I was observing that. And so I would, I'd kind of follow that uh, politeness and wanting to be helpful when people asked me to do things. Uh, but again, when I finally realized I'm going to need to carve out some time for myself, because this one book project that I first did when I was just 29 years old, I said, this is so important to me. The only way to do it is to say no to, to various things. But it felt very uncomfortable. Let's say a friend would call back when you're 29 years old, friends are moving all the time. Hey, Mike, will you help with the move? And you know, you don't want their friend, they're a good friend. But I, I had to say, no, I'm committed that weekend. And they'd be like, really? And I go, really? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, get a mover is what I felt like saying. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because something that I find very interesting also is that no one ever asks you to explain your yes. If you say, yes, I'll do something, they're excited. Okay, great, we'll see you on Saturday. But if you say no, then they press you for some sort of good excuse as to why you're saying no. Like, why is it so hard for people to hear no? You know, what you just said is fascinating. I never thought of it that way, how when you say yes, nobody asks you, well, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Why are you saying yes? That's so. That's perfect. Uh, but yeah, they want a reason for knowing you are not obligated to give a reason. But I say, you know, for people who have always struggled with no, start off with easy things uh, like, I'm sorry, I'm committed that weekend or I have other plans. Later, when you're more confident, you might even give the real reason, uh, which I'm not interested in that. So, <laughs> or uh um, you know, there's something more important to me, but you you couch it in a polite way. I'll give you an example. I had a friend 
I, I live uh, part-time in Massachusetts, part-time in Florida, and he invited me to see a Patriots game back, you know, when they were on a run to the Super Bowl. And, you know, he was kind of surprised when I said no to the tickets he was offering me, but I didn't want to sit freezing cold. It was December. I preferred to watch it on TV, and I was really busy that weekend. So it was, it surprised him for me to say no, but I decided, and I should be honest with him because I'm afraid he's going to come back and ask me the next week to go with him. And I didn't want to go then either. And so I said, you know, I'm not wild about crowds. Uh, the, the traffic jams there are, are horrendous. And I'm really working on a big project that's important to me. And, and I said those things. And as a friend, he could have either been really pissed off at me, as we say in Boston, or he could have been understanding and he was gracious. He said, I get it. Yeah, not all people uh, like the whole, because it's a whole day event, Mike. And I go, exactly. That's why I have to pass. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because, you know, as we've gone through the entire like Me Too movement, the emphatically taught us that no means no. Yeah. We still have to explain ourselves. And I think that's so funny. How come, how come you don't think that that no means no translates into other areas of life for people? Boy, I, you, 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 got, you got me stumped because it sure could. <laughs> and sometimes, I'm too blunt in terms of what I say. And sometimes maybe I'm, if somebody, I'll give you an example. Here's an example. I'm single now. I'm, I'm older, but I'm single. So I'm dating at my age. <laughs> and uh, a woman uh, who I was dating was, was sick at home. And I said, can I come over? Can I stop at the drugstore and bring you anything or whatever? And she said, uh, no, thanks. No, I'm pretty sick. I don't want you to catch it. I took that literally and and did not go. Later, I heard from her and go, why didn't you come? And I said, because you told me not to. And she said, well, in this case, I meant for you. I was kind of expecting you to surprise me. And I'm like, no, see, I, I, I explained to her. I said, I operate in a way of what I say is really what I what I mean. And uh so, so it's it's so hard to negotiate uh, what people really mean unless they're unless they're pretty forceful. So, in the book, you know, as you go through the chapters, hopefully, in no will set you free. You're getting closer to that stage of freedom where where you can say exactly how you feel. So there's no misunderstanding. Yeah, and earlier on, you mentioned that you were a business owner, and just I get that whole you know, mindset of feeling like you have to say yes to everything because it's business. You know, you want to continue to grow your business. You want to develop exactly. relationships. You don't want to upset customers. How did you get to the point where you're able to learn to say no in business so that you are not one, overextending yourself, two, overcommitting, and three, just burning yourself out with requests? I, I did start to notice that, for example, certain uh, requests to speak are better than others. So start to really focus on the good customers who have you back year after year for their association meeting or whatever. And so I, I learned to drop some customers that were more of a pain in the butt who would, you know, even before you showed up for your presentation, they'd keep calling you over and over to discuss things. And it's like, I've done this many times. I'm a professional speaker. We don't need to do that. And then in the same with book authors from, from editors, uh, this just happened last week, and this was a really a great editor who I love at a at a major publishing house. 
pitched me I, an idea she thought would be perfect for me. And I said, let me think about it. And I got back to her and I said, I have to decline because my heart's not in it. And you don't want me to write a book that my heart's not in. And by saying that, she totally got it. And she was like, wow, I didn't expect that from you, but you're right. You can't do something if you're not passionate about it. And then I said, but here's what I would like to do with you. And I pitched her another idea. And she said, that one's even better. Let's do that for our next book. And it worked out great, all because I said no. But I, I did struggle before. I was like, oh, boy, she may never contact me again for a book project by me turning her down. Then I said, no, she should understand. And I'm going to tell her I'm just I don't feel the passion. Yeah. And I like what you said there. You said, let me think about it. And I feel like yeah. that, you know, for someone, for people who may be people pleasers at work or, you know, as a boss, as a people pleaser, that may help you to buy more time. So that you're not like, okay, I'm not going to give you a hard yes or no right now, but I'm going to buy myself a little time by letting you at least know I'm considering what you're saying. That, that's a great uh, phrase, buy more time. It's so true. And then if you're, say again, say you're kind of new to saying no, and it usually with people that say no to friends or family members who are really time suckers, then you could even answer them by an email or a text. If you're so uncomfortable doing it in person, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, with a text message saying, no, I've just got too much on my plate this weekend. I cannot help you. And, and we all find in our lives, there's one or two people that is constantly tugging at your time because they're in crisis and they did poor planning. And you have to step back and go, well, now they're putting me in crisis because my plate's already full and they, they fully expect me to comply. And I got to set the boundary at some point. Yeah. And, and you have some very relevant chapters in your book that benefit our listeners. There's no at work. There's yeah. no is not selfish. And then no in negotiations, operating your own business and managing a department. Can you just unpack each of those really briefly for me? But the, the no at work would be the toughest. So we could talk about that a little bit because um, you don't want to use the word no at work, but you want to arrive at the same result where you're letting your manager know that this particular request is going to be really difficult for you to do. So when I worked in the corporate world, if I was extremely busy and my manager came with yet another project, I'd say, let's take a, a few minutes to talk about this because here's what I'm working on now. And I know these are important to you. Which of these do you want me to put aside for the new one? And and I was trying to do it in a, in a polite as way as possible, but it's getting the message to him that I'm not going to be able to hop on this right away unless you really want me to, which means I have to put something else on the back burner. So in a way, I was saying no without saying no, because you don't want to use the word no at work. You, you do want to use it just about everywhere else. Right. And that, yeah. And that, that's a great way of doing it, like basically having your boss or your manager prioritize which task is the most important for him so that he can basically say no to himself and put, you know, put, put the, the most important thing up front. Yeah. That's again, you, you hit the nail on the head. You're, you're, you're having him prioritize the tasks that are coming to you. And he may not have even been aware, or she may not be aware of all the tasks on your plate. Um, but this is a, an opportunity for you to say, here's all the things I'm working on. And, and this is yet another one. Is this more important than the others? And I'd be happy to switch gears. 
what you're yeah, that, letting them know there'll be a cost saying yes. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that in the book about this concept of creating healthy boundaries and communicating those up front with the people in charge. Like, how right. would that work? How would that discussion play out in a work environment? Do you mean in terms of when they they come to you with that additional task? Right, right. Like, so my boss comes to me and says, you know, hey, look, it's it's five fifty nine. You know, I know we close at six. We got you know another car coming in the bay. Yeah. Can you just knock out one more for us and then go home? And of course, like you mentioned, that you gave a great example in the book about just having these priorities where you want to be home at a certain hour so you can have right. dinner with your family and such and so forth. So, like, so I'm saying, yeah, so how does that play out? That's a perfect. I, I love that example you just gave because that would be something. You know, if, if I'm that person being requested to stay for this last car, I would do it because obviously it's important to the boss and they ask, and yeah, I'm going to be home a little later than normal. But if it's a trend, say this is happening almost every day and you're paid for X amount or whatever it is, then you need to sit down with that person and say, you know, this is every day we're running into this issue at the end of the day where, uh, I'm being surprised with additional tasks. We together, we pulling the boss in, have to manage this this better because I have to pick my kids up from daycare at a certain time or whatever it might be that that this is interrupting. So, you know, usually I say when you see a trend, that's when to 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 sit down. But every now and then there obviously there'll be an emergency at work or whatever, or from a spouse, <laughs> knowing your spouse can be difficult too. But yeah, you go, okay, absolutely. I'll drop my golf game on Saturday so that I can take the kids to soccer because you have this important thing. But if that's happening all the time, my God, you'll never get a golf game in. and You'll never have a <laughs> chance to decompress. So you need to have that. You need to have that talk. Yeah, yeah. So on the flip side, when it comes to being the boss, you know, being the supervisor, how can bosses say no to employee requests uh, without sounding curt or uncaring or that they're they're not concerned with the feelings of the employee? Because, of course, you know, being a boss, employers are going to want to have time off or they don't want this or that and the other. And of course, you can you can do things sometimes, you know, as a boss. OK, yeah, that's right. great. Take this week off or take this, this couple of days off or leave early. But then there are times when you have to say no. That's not for the betterment of the company. You know, what do you uh, what do you do as a boss in that situation? How do you say no in a way that's effective, but not in a way that diminishes their feelings? You'll probably want to set up a meeting because you may not be able to articulate the reasons why you're not able to do that right off the bat. I mean, sometimes when you're hit cold, you're just you're just not ready to explain it well. So you say, you know, you might even say, great idea. I don't think we're going to be able to do that. Can you meet with me very briefly at four o'clock? And that gives you time to let the employee see things from your shoes of, of why you have to say no on that. I do th- think, you know, if you're caught cold, same thing if you're being requested to do something. A lot of times when you're caught cold, you're like a deer in the headlights. So you say yes, you know, and you and I just talked about by yourself some time, say uh, I need to think about that, or I need to check with my significant other, you know, anything to buy you time if you're a little bit uncomfortable going right to the heart of the matter, or you need to think of how do I want to articulate this so the other person understands. Yeah. So it seems like the, the concept of just saying no on either side is about just good communication. 
Exactly. And, uh, and always doing it in a polite and respectful way. Cause you know, we, we could have titled this book, something very different than no will set you free for a while. I thought about using F no <laughs> you know, <laughs> to really let people know this book is going to be strong and going to enable you to take your time back. And then I kept thinking, there's not a single incident in the book that I write about that you would say that you would think it many times, but you would never say you would always want to be, uh, be polite. I had, I, I printed out one little thing from the book here, and this is uh, at the beginning. It's, it's asking you, is there too much? Yes. In your life. And then I give, here's some reasons. Are you stressed from being overscheduled? That was, that was my issue. Uh, are your closest friends and family members expressing feelings of neglect, meaning you're saying yes to everybody, but the most important people, your kids or your, your uh, spouse, are you getting enough sleep and me time? You have to have that time for yourself. To, and, and I make a strong point in the book that you can't do anything well without your health. So man, anything that's going to tug on your health, keep you up too late or whatever, it's got to be a no because your health is the vehicle. Your health is your, you know, it's like your car and it's got to be well-maintained to take you to your objectives. So be strong there. Uh, are you able to enjoy your favorite pastimes without watching the clock? <laughs> and, and I realize, oh boy, that I've fallen into that even now where I think I'm really good at saying no, but sometimes uh, I'm peeking at the clock and that's no fun if you're doing your favorite thing. Do you leave tasks unfinished or, or often need last minute help? Again, you're overwhelmed. And then finally, and, and this would be a good one for anybody that's got a, a goal that's difficult. Is there one important project you have wanted to do for years, but never found the time? And I hear from people all the time of, oh, I wanted to write a book. And I go, what happened? And they go, I worked on the first part of it. And it, one, felt overwhelming. And two, I just didn't have the time for it. And I then would go through, well, here's what I did on my first book. I gave up television. I said no to that time-sucking thing. Uh, and then there were other things, you know, some social obligations that I was going to and then realizing I'm not really having fun at those things. So why am I going? I'm, I'm doing it out of politeness to the post. Um, so yeah, if you, if you had a big goal in your life that, you know, you want to carve out time for, uh, you need to read, no, we'll set you free. Cause that's how I did it. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned what I was going to ask you next, which is how, you know, basically the concept of no is a step towards health and productivity for business owners. When, exactly. the, more you, the more you say no to things that don't matter or things that aren't as important, because in, in your book, you talk about 80-20, you talk about like basically 80-20 parts of your yeah. life so that you can get to the meat of things and getting rid of things that distract. And so how, how important it is to say no to those things that you can do those things you want. So if you want to expand your business or build your business or train your employees, you got to say no to something else in order to get that, to get to that yes that you want. Yeah. And that 80-20 rule is a good one, you know, basically where 20% of your quality customers or quality projects are the ones that propel your business forward. And uh, they're the ones that probably make up uh, the majority of your profits. And so a lot of smart business owners, 
instead of expanding wildly, they're they're shrinking a little bit, but really giving great service to the important ones. And, and that's what I was doing with my speaking career. I found I'm getting so many offers to, to speak, but not all of them are really good. So I want either the largest audience or a decent paycheck. So I'd learn to say no politely to the others. And I'd always soften it by saying, if my schedule opens up, I'd be happy to, to get back to you at some point. Yeah. And one one more thing that you'd mentioned in the book that I think is great for my audience is uh, you talk about negotiating with customers. You know, you talk about sticking to core values as a measuring stick and that, you know, once that you've you know established a fair price that makes a profit and is attractive to customers, you've got to learn to tell customers that the price is the price, essentially. And then, yeah. Yeah. And like, how and do you, you encourage, how do you you encourage people to deal with that? Huh? I was going to say, sometimes you you have to be able to Tell yourself, I'm going to walk away from it. Um, for example, I just, my daughter's in London and she's trying to buy a house with her fiance. You know how expensive real estate is over there. And um, so they're in the negotiation process. And I said, Kristen, the one thing you're going to should have in the back of your mind is be prepared to walk away. Even though you've invested some money with getting a, uh, uh, what do they call it? A building inspection contractor's report. Even though you've invested some money in an attorney, it's small compared to the bigger components of the price of the house and the negotiations with the buyer. So if you're prepared to walk away, there'll be another one. Another one will come along that will be just as good. Um, but if if you've shown all your cards that you're going to do it at whatever, that person's going to probably take advantage of you. Yeah, that's the truth. And I've always, you've always hear that, you know, the price haggling customer, the customer who fights you over something small, like an oil change, yeah. it's going to give you a headache when you have to do a brake job or you have to change the <laughs> transmission for them. They're going to be the worst clients you've ever had, but you fought for them so hard on the small thing because you thought it was worth it only to find that this customer is just such a headache now. Exactly. You let the headaches go and those great customers who come back time and time again and have been loyal to you through thick and thin, those you bend over backwards for. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, so in negotiations, yeah, you don't want to be so eager. My son's a professional poker player, and in, you know, in poker, you don't have to show your cards in certain hands, so they never know if you're bluffing or if you really had when you win that pot. So you don't always have to show them, so it's the same in negotiations. They don't have to know what's going through your head that you need this desperately or that, no, I'm going to stick to my guns. Right on. And so any closing thoughts you want to leave our listeners regarding the book? But, you know, just there's there's nothing uh, selfish about saying no, because I think that's the key of why we're brainwashed to saying yes to everything, particularly family obligations or uh Uh, social obligations, but there's nothing uh, shameful about it because every time you say no, you're leaving time for yes to something that's really important to you. And it might be your kid's soccer game on the the weekend of going with them. What's more important than than bonding with a child uh, when they're still under your sphere of influence? So there's nothing negative about saying no because it's all leading saying yes to what's really at your your core all right and so the book is called no will set you free uh michael thank you so much for your time today uh thank you it was a pleasure 
you for listening to today's podcast episode. As a reminder from the team that brings you National Oil & Lube News comes the ADAPT Automotive Technology Summit, a unique opportunity to learn directly from automakers and industry thought leaders on the shifting landscape of automotive technology. At ADAPT, we bring together industry professionals from all segments of the automotive aftermarket, along with representatives of top aftermarket vendors and OEMs. The ADAPT Summit features 11 information-packed sessions over two days focusing on the latest trends in advanced vehicle design and their impacts on the automotive aftermarket. Held September 24th through 25th in Arlington, Texas, ADAPT will feature leading voices in the industry and provide you with a larger understanding, presence, and voice in the future of the automotive industry. Now is the time for us to share the resources, knowledge, and strategies to help you overcome the obstacles you will face moving forward. Register for ADAPT today. Use code podcast at adaptsummit.com for $400 off.